Thanks, Kathy. And uh, good morning, everyone. Morning, Al. <laughs> you got an accent, have you? Amazing. I thought it, I thought it was only Maggie could understand you. <laughs> um, yeah, let me add uh, my welcome uh, to Stuart's and Luke's. Uh, my name's Jeff Leader. I'm part of the ministry team here. And let's just uh, bow our heads in prayer before we uh, move into our passage this morning. Our gracious Lord, we thank you that you are a God who speaks, a God who wants a relationship with us. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we pray that you would um, teach us, challenge us, and uh, encourage us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> How's your Christmas going? It starts earlier and earlier every year, doesn't it? Well, we've uh, called this series Christmas Sanity because Christmas is insane. And I thought I'd just show a little video clip uh, to get us started along the way and see if this is going to work. And again, one more. Pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? <laughs> the truth of some of those slides is, uh, yeah, too close to home. But there's a kind of craziness that descends on us at this time of the year. All the busyness and stress that goes into preparing for interview functions, attending parties and presentations, visiting friends and relatives, buying gifts and putting up Christmas trees and lights and decorating the outside and the inside of the house. And just occasionally, just occasionally, we catch a glimpse of something that reminds us that Jesus is the reason that we celebrate Christmas. You know, I think it's a sad reflection on our community, our world at large, that Christmas is becoming more and more secular and there is less of a focus on the baby in the manger. Even the word Christmas is being replaced by the abbreviated word Xmas. I guess that kind of sums it up for me. For the mathematically minded, X is, Luke, where are you? An unknown quantity. And it's a bit like the statue to the unknown God that Paul discovered in Athens long ago. Many, it's unknown. And many people celebrate Christmas without really knowing what or why they are celebrating. And so they just got caught up in the insanity that Christmas has become. And by the way, if you want to know why Christmas is shortened to Xmas, well, X is actually the Greek letter Chi, which is the first letter of the name for Christ in Greek, Christos. That's just a little bit of a hint for a trivia question. So, <laughs> in this series, we're endeavouring to bring some sanity back into the mix and focus our attention on just why we celebrate the birth of Jesus into this world 2,000 years ago. Last week, we saw how Jesus fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy, which was presented to the people of Israel 700 years before Jesus was actually born. And Isaiah's prophecy predicted that a ruler would usher in a kingdom characterised by peace, justice and wise government. In Isaiah's time, this was a big dream, but it gave people a hope 
for a better future, as indeed it does for us as we wait for that time when one day we too will meet the Lord face to face in heaven. But this week, we're going to have a look at something else worth celebrate, celebrating, and that is we have a God, a living God, a God who is interested in communicating with us. God speaks. You know, we live in a society today which recognises the necessity of good communication. In the world of commerce, millions of dollars are spent on persuasive advertising. It has become a highly developed technique and one of recognised financial importance. Politicians know how vital it is to communicate effectively. And diplomats recognise the immense dangers that can arise in international affairs when there occurs a serious breakdown in communications. And closer to home, stresses in families frequently arise in situations where the partners in a marriage merely talk to each other but fail to effectively communicate. The letter to the Hebrews, which we had read to us just a short while ago, begins by asserting the greatest single fact of the Christian revelation. God speaks and God has spoken to people through his word, the Bible, and through his son, Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, God has closed the greatest communication gap of all time. And that is the gap that exists between a holy, perfect God and sinful human beings. Have a look with me at uh, Hebrews Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I'll put the verses up. It says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in, many, and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. Unlike the gods of other religions, the God of the Bible speaks. And, you know, you can go back right to the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. We see God speaking the creation, the universe, into existence. And a little further on, we see God speaking to Adam and Eve. And then we see him speaking to Noah. And then to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And then we see God speaking to Moses, both before and during the Exodus time. And all through the Old Testament, we see God subsequently speaking to his people through the Old Testament prophets. God communicates to his people through the prophets in different and various ways. Sometimes it's by spoken words, either in public or in private. Sometimes it is through written words. And sometimes it's by the actions of the prophets. Sometimes it's through dreams and visions. And so as we read through the Old Testament, we see that God warned, God encouraged, God rebuked, and God guided his people through the prophets at many times and at various ways. 
But this was God speaking in the past. Christmas 2,000 years ago ushered in a massive change. It says in the last days, God has spoken to us by his son. By these last days, the writer means that the span of time that began with the coming of God's son, Jesus, and continued up to the writer's day. And that span of time has, of course, continued up into our day. We are still living in the days of the Son, and we will do so until Jesus returns again. Now, let me just say, this doesn't mean that we disregard what God has said in the Old Testament. Indeed, when we read the letter to the Hebrews, the writer sees the Old Testament as setting out the basic shape of our obedience and our relationship to God. And he regards the people of faith in the Old Testament as continuing um, to be examples for us in this day. So the Old Testament is important because it contains the promises of God. And more importantly, we see how these promises, so many of these promises are fulfilled in Jesus. For example, the Old Testament sacrifices. How do they connect? Well, they were true and worthy in themselves, but they also pointed beyond themselves to their fulfilment in the perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. They help us to understand what Jesus was all about when he was sacrificed himself on the cross. Now when we come to this book of Hebrews, which I'm going to dive into in a little bit more detail this morning, we find it's about God and we find that he is a living God who speaks, who communicates with his creation. And when we read through Hebrews, we find the main focus of God speaking is his son, Jesus. God has spoken to us by his son. He has communicated his will and his purpose for us through Jesus, his son. And so we need to understand who this son is and just what he is communicating to us. Hebrews is a book about Jesus. And the writer of the Hebrews moves on in his opening section to give seven facts about God's son. These characteristics demonstrate, show for us, the greatness of Jesus, the wonder of Jesus, and why he is the clearest and final revelation of God. So firstly, we see he's been appointed heir of all things. Because Jesus is God's son, he is also God's heir. Everything belongs to Jesus on earth, in heaven, and in the age to come. His inheritance is the people for whom he died, as well as the entire universe which is under his rule. We see that through him, God also made the universe. The whole created universe of time and space was made by God through his son. So Christ's rule and his inheritance are not intrusive or unwarranted, but instead they're natural. They are his by right, given to him by God. You know, Jesus was no mere Galilean preacher. He shared actively in the creative work of Almighty God. 
And then the third thing we learn is that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Now, for the ancient Hebrews, the glory of God was a visible and outward expression of the majestic presence of God. Remember when the law, the Ten Commandments were given at Sinai? The people gathered around the foot of the mountain and this cloud descended over the mountain. There was thunder, there was lightning. It's just the glory of God descending upon the mountain. It was visible, it was tangible. And then as, they, as the people travelled through the wilderness, we see the glory of God descending on the tent of meeting. It was where Moses met face to face with God. It was a visible sign of God's presence with his people. And then later when the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines, the people lamented that the glory of the Lord had departed. They understood what the glory of the Lord was all about. Now says the writer to the Hebrews, in these last days this same glory has been seen in the person of Jesus Christ who reflects or as put it, is the radiance of God's glory. God's glory shines through Jesus. All God's greatness, all God's majesty shines through the sun. And so, as Christian believers, we not only receive God's character, his gifts and his presence, and we do that through Jesus, but we also receive God himself. And Jesus is the light of God, the glory of God, burning and shining in us and through us. And then fourthly, here's the exact representation of God's being. See, Jesus truly and fully shows us the character of God. When we see what the Son is like, we see exactly what God the Father is like. There is no private side of God and obscured behind the public side or public face of Jesus. The true and full character of God is made clear and it's open to us in Jesus. So if you want to know what God is like, then you only need to look at Jesus. It's hard to imagine what God is like. But then Jesus is God, reflecting his character. He is the radiance of God's glory. And then fifthly, there are seven things here. Jesus also sustains all things by his powerful word. Jesus carries forward God's purposes for all creation with his mighty, enabling, enduring word. And just as God spoke and created the universe at his command through his son, Jesus, so by God's will and word, the son goes on sustaining and upholding all things, keeping it all together in heaven and on earth. The word of Jesus is a powerful word. The name, we sang about the name of Jesus is powerful. The word of Jesus is powerful. And Jesus is able to do what he determines. Jesus speaks. And when he spoke, the universe came into being. What he commands is done. 
And then we move from who Jesus is to what he has done. He has provided purification of sins, as well as his cosmic and eternal work. There is his personal work in history for us. Jesus died on the cross and won forgiveness for us by making us clean, by washing us clean from our sins. Just as we've had a baptism this morning, a symbolic washing away of sins, this is Jesus' work. And Jesus is God's unrepeatable, sacrificial provision for that greatest problem of humankind, that is sin. And the completeness and finality of this sacrificial act is shown in that final phrase there, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. When he had finished his work of purification, Jesus sat down at the place of highest honour and power in the universe, at the right hand of Almighty God. His work of achieving purification for sins was over. It was done. And his offering of himself had been accepted. His offering of himself in our place. And he is now honoured by God the Father. And he now rules and cares and forgives with full divine authority and power. Now, well, that's a lot to take on board. But the writer to the Hebrews wants to make sure we appreciate the great significance of Jesus as God's Son, our Lord, our Saviour. Jesus is the true representation of God. He is the centre and purpose of creation, which he holds together by his almighty power. It is the world in which he died for our forgiveness. And it's the world over which he rules and in which he offers us the wonder of a personal relationship with him for eternity. This is the Christ of Christmas. I think many people lose sight of this. And what they see of Jesus is that baby in the manger. Small, frail, vulnerable, helpless. Babies are safe. They actually don't threaten us. They might not sleep and they they cry and all that kind of stuff, but they don't actually threaten us. We cope with that. But so many people want to keep Jesus in the manger. There is some mystery and mystique surrounding his conception and birth, but that just tends to reinforce the fairy tale imagery of the event. However, what is more confronting is the image of Jesus suffering, bleeding and dying on that rough wooden cross some 33 years later. People prefer to look away from that pain and the agony of the cross. It's hard to look at. However, however, we ignore this part of Jesus at our peril. We need to recognise him as almighty God who humbled himself and came into this world to communicate ever so clearly God's will and purpose for his people, for us. 
You see, God wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us. And through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, he has made it possible for us to be reconciled with our Lord God. And as he has done since the dawn of creation, God speaks. And he continues to speak today. We need to open our ears and our eyes to what he wants us to know about him and his purposes for our lives. And we do this by getting to know this son, Jesus, this son who, who reveals the Father, this son who speaks to us. And so Christmas is a good time. There's a good reason to celebrate the fact that Jesus came into this world to save sinners and to rescue us from spending an eternity in hell. And so in the midst of this insanity of the Christmas period, we do well to focus our attention on what Jesus has done for us and give him the honour and recognition and worship and adoration that he so deserves. Would you pray with me? Our Lord, we we thank you that you are a living God, a God who cares for us, who speaks to us. Our Lord, during this Christmas period, help us not to get caught up in the, the craziness of the days of Christmas. Help us to focus on why We are truly celebrating the real reason and let us appreciate that this is a good and wonderful reason to celebrate you coming into this world for us. To you we give honour and glory and praise, our Lord, our Saviour, our Majesty. Amen.